This is the Canoe Creek Podcast. Our vision is to help people in our community connect to God, grow in Christ, and go serve others. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Road, and our Sunday morning service times are 9 o'clock and 10.30. Thank you for tuning in. Graduation Sunday is awesome. You know why? It's the one Sunday a year I can count all of the front rows are going to be going to be filled. So it's like I'm not alone on this Sunday. I enjoy it. And I say for my wife and I, and I think for all of the parents, how proud we are of all of you guys. You've made it. Like, just hang in there. <laughs> Nothing crazy or stupid for a couple of weeks, and, and you guys got this on lockdown. We, we were in a series on regrets, and last week we talked about the simple truth, and that is regrets inevitable. Renewal is optional. That is, everybody in this room has a regret. We all regret something that's come into our life, some sort of a situation. And last week we focused on the story of Joseph. We're going to continue to look at that today. We looked at it from the eyes of his older brother, Reuben, who made choices and decisions that he regretted and caused significant problems. And, and so and he, he, he burdened that for so long. It was like chains weighing him down and holding him back, uh, this regret that he had and he struggled with. And so we looked at that as though, you know, sometimes it's the choices that we make that we regret, but we can be freed from that. And we talked about that last week. Go use our, our app, go on our website, listen to the message if you'd like to learn more about that. This week we want to see the story through the eyes of the Father in this family, uh, through the eyes of Jacob, uh, who, who really wrestles with regret, but it's not because of choices he's made. It's because of circumstances he finds himself in. See, sometimes we regret the choices that we make leads us to a certain place in life. Sometimes it's circumstances that we never asked for that just kind of come our way and we have to deal with them. So as we think about the life and the family of Joseph, let me share the story briefly again. Some people in here may not even know who we're talking about. We're talking about an Old Testament family from the Old Testament in the Bible many, many years ago. Who uh, Jacob was the father. He fell in love with a girl named Rachel. He wanted to marry her. Her father made him work seven years to marry her, but then he tricked Jacob and he gave him his, he gave his daughter Leah to, to Jacob to marry. And, and in their culture, you wouldn't see the face until half the wedding was done. And somebody who had been a deceiver himself, that's Jacob. You have to read more about his story. Uh, he was himself deceived. And, and so then he worked another seven years for his wife, Rachel. And I know that's getting really weird. And, and we're thinking, you know, why does this kind of stuff take place? Remember, God doesn't condone these things. He doesn't, you know, approve these things. This isn't his plan, his desire, his decision. But it's a testimony and reminder that he works no matter how messed up we can be and no matter how many regretful decisions that we can make. He can work through us if we're willing to, to, to turn it back over to him, have a penitent spirit about us and not be weighed down with regret. But you can see where uh, Leah is not really favored. Rachel is, but Leah has a lot of kids. And Rachel's not able to have kids right away. And that's a big deal in their family culture. And, and so there's significant jealousy tension, anger, animosity, and it's passed on from the, the, the wives to the children to the point that they hate Joseph because he is a daughter of, he's a son of Rachel and he is favored by Jacob and he is despised by the brothers. 
And so the brothers find their opportunity one day. They're out in the fields way out. They see slave traders coming along. They sell their brother into slavery. He has no, he has no you know, choice in the matter. And uh, they take his special robe that his father had given him. And they dip it in blood. And they go back home. And they give it to their father. And they say, is this your son's robe? And so they... they concoct a story that he's been devoured by wild animals. And, and next week, um, we're going to look at this story through the eyes of Joseph, which I'm really excited because if you don't know the story, the ending is powerful and, and very encouraging as well and would invite you back to hear the rest of that story through the eyes of Joseph as we finish this series talking about regret. But as we look at this through the eyes of the father, Jacob, here his sons have brought back this robe that he had given to his favorite son and it is covered in blood and he believes that his son is now dead. That, that's where we pick up the story in Genesis 37. And we want to look at these regrettable circumstances that Jacob certainly didn't cause. Uh, there may have been some things that he regrets he wished he had done differently. But at the end of the day, these, these brothers doing what they did were circumstances that were thrusted upon Jacob, and he had to deal with them. Look at how he responds in Genesis 37. It says this, Then they, that is the brothers, got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it's your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will not continue or he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. This is a story that reminds us, sometimes we lose people and it brings about a significant amount of pain. And sometimes the people we lose isn't just people that we lose physically. Sometimes we lose people to illness mentally. Sometimes we lose people to illness through addictions. Sometimes we lose people because of decisions that they make and they separate themselves from us. And, and, that's, and that can be even more difficult sometimes. Right now, here's what's happening in this story. This family lost a father. They lost a leader. They lost somebody that they loved. He's there, but he's gone. I mean, I, I can't, I don't understand his pain. Let me just go ahead and put it to you that way. I can't understand or comprehend his pain. But I will say that I believe his response, while we may just take it that he's just saying that in the moment, and we would say, then it's reasonable because most of us may respond that way in the moment. But I'm going to take his, his, his words, his comments at face value, that he means this, that he will not be comforted, that he will mourn every day of the rest of his life. In that context, I say that his response is very unreasonable. It's certainly not healthy. It's not helpful to the rest of the family. It's not helpful to his leadership as well. You know, we mentioned this, and I'm going to say it a couple more times, and that is simply, there are some regrets that we have because of decisions we made. 
there are some regrets that we have because of circumstances we find ourselves in that we did not choose. They're thrusted upon us and they're outside of our control. Jacob couldn't control his situation here with his son, Joseph. Uh, He couldn't change the outcome. The only thing that he can control was how he responded. And and this is what we want to say today about this. When we can't control regrettable circumstances, we can control how we decide to respond to them. Just as uh, regrets are inevitable, regrettable circumstances are inevitable, which are going to put us in a position where we have to make a decision. How do I respond to this circumstance I find myself in? Will it glorify God? Will it help me grow? Uh, will it, will, will it be something that when I come through the other side, I will be the person that I never imagined I could be because of God's love and concern and care for me as he guided me through it, you know, which is a question When we think about this, listen, we all have circumstances. I know one of my favorites, I used to think this, and then I watched as all three of my children went through school, lived through it. You have those one or two or three teachers where it's like, they shouldn't have been a teacher. They missed their calling in life and they hate you. Right. And they're the reason my life is miserable. And they, they should have retired 20 years ago or whatever it is. Or maybe that's not even the case at all. But they're the reason that we're failing the class and everything else. And my response has always been, yeah, well, that teacher is going to be one of your professors in college. They're going to be your boss someday when you go to work. They're going to be some person behind a counter that's handling clerical work that's going to be important to you. And they're going to be painful to you. They're always going to be that person in life that makes the circumstances that you're seeing much more difficult difficult, painful, or regrettable. You know, other things that are just simply regrettable, we don't get often to choose our parents at all. Last time I checked, we don't get to choose our family. Sometimes that brings about regrettable circumstances. Uh, Kids grow into adults. They make choices on their own. And sometimes that brings about regrettable circumstances. Sometimes markets crash, investments take a dive, and uh, we find ourselves in really financial Uh, deep waters. Sometimes that brings about regrettable circumstances. I have seen some of the healthiest people get diagnosed with some of the worst things. And that can bring about some very significantly regrettable circumstances, all that are outside of our control. But what is not outside of our control is how we decide. To respond. That's the one thing we can control. That's the one thing we can manage. And the question is, do we manage well? Listen, Joseph's response that he would never be comforted and that he would leave every single day morning, I think it's an unreasonable response if I'm taking it face value and if that's what he means and if that's exactly how he's going to live every day. I'm not discounting his pain at all. In fact, I'll bring it up here in just a few minutes. But let me ask you this question. Have you ever experienced a circumstance that was outside of your control that you regretted? Did you respond well? Do you wish you had respond, responded differently? How did you decide? Go left, go right, go up, go down. Let me just take a little bit of liberty with this story 
because there's not a great amount of detail here in regards to uh, Jacob's regret, the father. So let me just take just a little bit of literary and, and apply some practical application in it and, and just make some observations. And the first observation is simply this, the if only. I think that uh, Jacob is wallowing too much in the if only thought. You know, if only I had done this, if only I had done that, if only I hadn't let Jacob go out that day, if only, if only, if only. And he might even be processing some of his own personal uh, responsibilities in this. Like I said earlier, he has some things that he needs to own. But at the end of the day, this circumstance was outside of his control. But I would imagine, as I mentioned earlier, he was a person who deceived others to get things. And now he himself is being deceived. He doesn't even know it. his son's actually still alive, but he thinks that he's dead. Um, and and I, I, I guarantee you, if he thinks like any of us think, like a human thinks, he's thinking, if only I haven't been such a deceptive person in my life, God wouldn't have punished me that way. Now, I'm not saying that's good theology. I'm saying God punishes people like that. I'm saying that's probably something that Jacob thought. Because this if only mentality grounds us in the past, doesn't give us any ability to break chains and get unburied from the weight of regret to start living in the present and start looking ahead. If only's great if we got a time machine. Can jump back, change something, then go back again and, and see the result. If only is good when it's a, when it's a teacher. When I'm going to go back to if only for just a brief moment and reflect on if I had only said this or said that, if I only done this or done that, if I only would have decided to respond this way. Okay, lock that away as a lesson. Now here in this present moment, here in this present circumstance, here in this future that I'm looking forward to, here's how I'm going to do this differently. If only is great when it's a teacher like that. But when it's just simply a burden that keeps us staked down in a time and past, it's just a chain that needs to be broken. Uh, also, we can reflect on this. He refused community and comfort. He told his kids, go away. Don't come. Don't talk to me. Don't try to help me. Listen, sometimes being alone with just maybe your favorite place or your favorite song or your favorite scripture is a great place to be. But it's not a good place to stay. We need community. We need people around us that love us. I love one of the statements on the video right before the message where somebody said, I wish I had, I regret that I did not you know, nurture friendships all throughout the stages of my life. Why? Because we recognize as we get older how essential and important it is to have people around us that will tell us the things that sometimes we don't want to hear. And will encourage us in ways that only they can encourage us. So that we can pour into them as well when they have those times in their life. Or they need encouragement in their life as well. And so a couple verses really quick. Ecclesiastes says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Really great you know, verse about community and having people around you. I love what Paul says. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. <clears throat> well, in the context of it, what he's saying is unite your life together with other people who have the same values as you. Be committed to them. Be in community with them because there are going to be times in your life where you can't see something clearly. Everyone in this room has blind spots. 
We all have blind spots, and every single one of us needs somebody who loves us enough to point out the blind spots, to be objectable when all we can be is subjective in a situation, to encourage us, and to sometimes rattle us when we're making unreasonable statements. I'm just going to be here. I'm going to lay in my bed. I'm never coming out. I'm going to mourn this every day of the rest of my life. And they drag us out, and they tell us some truth, and they encourage us and move us on. We all need that kind of community. We do not need to, to reject that community. Isolation is a decision that is not good. That is not good. And that's what Jacob had chose. He also focused on what he lost and lost sight of what he had. He just simply got his narrowed vision on the fact that his son was gone. But you know what? He had many other sons. He had many other daughters. And he failed to remember that. He failed to see them. He failed to realize they still needed his leadership. They still needed his love. They needed his comfort. They needed his guidance and direction. And Joseph basically decided to stop living. He basically was cut off from the family in his decision to be available and to be there. And it was all because he was focused on what he did not have versus what he did have. Over-excessive self-pity. Over-excessive victim mentality leads us to a more self-centered personality where what we end up doing is thinking negatively about everything in which we only see what's gone. We only see it from what God has taken or what somebody has taken or what the world has taken versus what God has blessed us with. I just had a great conversation with a 92 year old woman going out the door and she said, today is great. As she moved out with her cane at her slower pace. And I guarantee you, this world has taken a lot of things from her, and I know that personally. But she doesn't see those things that it's taken. She sees what she has today and what God has blessed her with. And, and Jacob wasn't doing that, and it was a heavy burden and a heavy weight where he was very self-centered. And he forgot that his whole family uh, was, was struggling in this morning, at least the ones who didn't know the truth. One last thing, one last observation is simply this. It's the most exciting one, right? Not. God will leverage your pain if you allow him. We're like, no. I'm going to pray a different prayer, right? I'm afraid there's a storm. Lord, take me right around that. Because we don't like pain. And we don't want pain. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Sorry. Last time I checked, we don't get to absolve ourselves from pain. We came into this place where we're at and into the relationship with God that we have because of the pain that Jesus Christ experienced. Why would we think that all of a sudden we're going to be blessed to never have it? But here's the amazing and powerful truth is God will leverage it in our life and he will bring things out of it that we never imagined. Listen, going around the storm doesn't take as much character, courage, and strength as going through it. And it will not build our strength and our character and courage as much. We can come out on the other side of it so much more powerfully geared for God, uh, equipped in ways we never imagined we could be equipped for that future child, for that parent, for that friend, for that community, for someone who needs to experience and be encouraged because of what we've experienced in courage, we can leverage our pain for God when we trust him. 
He'll build us into something we never imagined that we can be. I think that this is exactly what Paul was trying to express when he wrote a verse that many people that are Christians have uh, come to be familiar with. Let me give it in a broader context, starting in chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's talking about pain. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. This whole world is in a state of painful circumstances. And then here's the verse that many people know. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For, the, uh, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The pain that Jesus Christ experienced was leveraged for our salvation. It's what brings out the gospel. It's what makes hope possible. It's what made resurrection possible because he had to die, experience emotional and physical pain that he went through. And in that, he leveraged it. And how did he leverage it? Because through it all, he remained extremely faithful to God. He never, ever, why are you doing this to me? Woe is me. This is such a burden. No, he was faithfully, steadfast, trusting in God. That's what that part means when it says that he'll work it to the good for those who love and trust him. And love is comforting as much as it is confronting at times. And it will grow us into somebody that we never imagined we could be. If we're willing to leverage it. And remain focused on how good God is in the midst and in the struggle. And Jesus experienced pain that led to our salvation. And the pain that we experience because of regrettable circumstances will not be wasted when we trust that God is good. And that he will use me to do good things that I never imagined were possible because of what he's done in my life. Learned something new this week, thought it was extremely poignant. Um, the word decide, simple word, right? We use it a lot in the English language, I think. The word decide. The, word, the root word, side, is what's interesting there. It comes from a Latin word, sedire. Saying as best I can, it's a dead language, forgive me. Um, which means to cut off, to kill, to slaughter. This is why the root side is the same root word in homicide, suicide, genocide, which brings some pretty strong emotions. What it simply means is this, is when we make a decision, it's definitive. We are deciding to cut something off so that we can open ourselves up to something else. This is why when a couple getting married, you know, there's fanfare, whether it's a big wedding, small wedding, elaborate or simple, you know, there's friends, there's family. It's a ceremony presented before the presence of God. Why? Because that man, that woman, they're deciding I am cutting myself off in this ceremony to every other man or to every other woman that I could potentially be married to in the future. It's a decision at that moment and that time from that point forward uh, of action, of commitment. This is why we sang the old hymn, you know, I've, I've decided to follow Jesus. What do we say? No turning back, no turning back. 
Why? Because we have decided, we have cut ourselves off from something else. You may not be able to control regrettable circumstances in your life, but you can control how you decide to respond to them. In fact, quite often, that's the only thing that you can control. And and when there are regrettable circumstances thrusted upon you, uh, the worst thing that we can ever do is compound that regret with a bad decision, you know, just like compounding interest can grow tremendously, you know, compounding regret can do the same as well. And God has given us a pathway to deal with our own regrettable decisions. He's also given us an opportunity to make a decision and how we respond to regrettable circumstances that are thrusted on us. Let me just close with this. A staff member brought this up and I thought it was phenomenal. It's a, uh, just a paper, cheap paper measuring tape. And they're actually in the center table in the bin as you go out in case you want to engage in what I'm about to do. It's a simple exercise. I'm inviting you to consider doing it as an act of personal devotion. That you may want to get somewhere really quiet this week. You may want to get with your Bible, your favorite verse, your favorite place. Take one of these paper measuring tapes. If you are... 25 years young or younger, use inches. If you're over 25, use centimeters. Because some of you wouldn't fit on here otherwise, including myself. And decide, there I am. That's my age in centimeters. Just cut that off. That's everything up to this point. And that's everything moving from this point forward. Decide. From this moment forward, every decision that I make, regardless of regrettable circumstances that come my way, I will make them as Paul tells me to make them. To trust that the Lord will do something good here. And I will love Him. And I will be conformed to Him. And my decision or reflect that, that I desire to have his character and that I desire to have his presence in everything I decide to do from this moment forward. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to study this story. We're thankful for what you share with us, uh, this hard truth from this family. And that went through some extremely difficult things that as we reflect on it today, we can learn a little bit about how we can better reflect on our decision-making process, Lord. When regrettable circumstances are thrusted on us, Lord, give us the wisdom to decide to respond in such a way that it would lead us towards your character and the image of your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.